So that was fun. It really was fucking hard trying to take it seriously. Just because it, like, uh, so Dustin's been doing, um, he he started a TikTok and he does, like, a horror movie every day. Like, just because he likes horror movies or whatever. Yeah. And uh, he did Scream and Scary Movie, like, back-to-back. And he, he was talking about how hard it was to mm-hmm. take Scream seriously. Just because every fucking, it, it kind of, it. I still love Scream and I still think it's amazing. But it, it, it really... It's it's hard because yeah. you just think of the jokes like so many times, but um, yeah, yeah, uh, I, it's. But it is true what you said earlier that um, when we first watched that movie, we didn't think of oh, any, dude, any of the things we think nothing, now. Nothing. Yeah, nothing I took it way all. more seriously. Those guys seem so much more sinister yeah, and yeah. sadistic. I was thinking about some. Yeah. Well, let's 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 get into yeah. it. All right. Yeah. Let's uh, let's play it again, man. You must remember this. <laughs> Coming to get you, Barbara. What an excellent day for an exorcism. They're here. Here's Johnny. You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare, huh? All right. So we're here. What's up, everybody? We're doing Scream 1996. Uh, Sitting here with Jason. This movie was directed by Wes Craven. It had a... budget of about 14 to 15 million dollars and it made 173 million dollars um it was written by kevin williamson uh early on in the 90s this movie is you know we were talking about it before it's a little hard to take seriously because of parodies that, that followed it afterwards but this movie really redefined a whole generation mm-hmm. of slasher films and we'll <clears throat> go into it a little bit uh when we start talking about the making of the movie and how it came to be. But first off, let's start at the beginning and talk about where we first were when we first saw this movie. Where were you? You know, it's funny. A lot of these movies that we've been doing, um, they're all pretty much the same time frame, like 97, yeah. 96. I, I, I think that's because um, when we grew up, there was movies that came out that mm-hmm. we just immediately started watching over and over. And it wasn't until we got a little bit older that we started seeing movies that were like in the eighties and the seventies yeah. um, that we started watching a lot over and over again, but yeah. uh, definitely these ones came first and just getting these out of the way. Obviously it's that time of the year and we are going through horror movies. You guys voted, it was between this and Halloween and we picked scream. So yeah. um, should be fun for the rest of the month. We're going to be doing some, some other scary movies, but go on. You were saying, uh, yeah, I, man, again, I, these movies that, you know, came out, like, when I would have seen them or, like, a few years later, um, I think it was all, like, under a certain age. Like, under 12, I want to say. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. this movie came out before we were 10 years old. Yeah, but, I mean, like, it's not like I didn't see it for the first time when I was, like, 15. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, I saw it for sure, like, like relatively close to when it came out. Yeah. But I think I want to say again, I, I probably saw it. You know, on, on cable, on or cable. Something. like because yeah. we had the black box, and so many movies were, were just on repeat. Were you? On were you uh, I mean, considering that, because that's usually your answer. Considering yeah. that, uh, were, did you guys have like a treasure chest of VHSs though? We did, but um, a lot of. So it's funny. So my dad, 
somehow, I don't know, got a hold of, of uh, like these two boxes, these two crates, yeah. just of of the the what are they called the 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 VHSs they sent home with like people from the studio, whatever. Oh, like, the um, fuck, they're not samplers. They're uh, yeah. Fuck, I can't. Because all these VHSs would have a sticker on it saying, yeah, do not like, re- yeah. uh, duplicate. And then, like, usually yeah. they have a little thing at the bottom when yeah. you're watching it that says, for your consideration yeah. and stuff like that. So these weren't the final VHSs. God, that's really going to bug me. Because yeah. I had a lot of those, too, uh, when I was in high school. And he had a bunch of random-ass movies. Yeah. And and um, this, this wasn't in there, but um uh, either on the black box or we rented it from, from blockbuster yeah. and what what but, what do you remember like your initial reactions when you saw this movie like how did it how did it grip you oh uh, man i was scared i was i was super scared but like i think even at an, a young age i knew it was it was really different from michael myers mm-hmm. and um you know all the other i mean very movies. the same but very very different at the same yeah. time like yeah it's just like yeah, man. I don't know. I didn't really fully grasp it until much later. Yeah. Like, but like, you, I mean, it seems like you enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. for sure. But it, we watched it earlier. Yeah. Um, and I hadn't seen it in a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I can't I can't tell you the last time I saw it. But, um, yeah. I <laughs> I feel like I was watching a scary movie for a second. <laughs> uh, All right. Well, so for me, this, this movie had a huge impact on my life. Um, it got me into serial killing. And uh, no, oh, I'm yeah? just kidding. no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, it had a huge impact on my life when I saw it. I didn't, I didn't see it in theaters. Obviously, I was way too young. And my mom was not going to let me yeah. watch that movie. But immediately, it was it, this movie was a cultural phenomenon yeah. uh, right when it came out. So it was all of the previews. It, it, I think it got a re-release in theaters after it came out too, and it was all over the place. And once it hit blockbuster and video stores mm-hmm. my mom and my sisters they went out and they they bought it so i'm watching it on vhs with my sisters like right when it comes out and i just remember obviously at the time i was going through this period of still being scared of scary movies but also starting to really enjoy them instead of like a thing where it's like a like a i don't know like a monolith that like the monkeys in 2001 like yeah. scared to touch it and everything mm-hmm. like that. I was going through a period where scary movies weren't so much that anymore and they were like more entertaining, even yeah. though I was still scared. Yeah. Um, jump scares and all that stuff. It, it was all super scary. But I remember watching it and without understanding the significance of what the movie was doing to the horror genre, mm-hmm. without any any idea of the fact that slasher movies had went away because I, I, I grew up knowing michael myers and yeah. and jason that, that every halloween you see that's the mask in the yeah. store and everything but those movies hadn't been around for for quite a while and this movie came out and i and i watched this movie and i was completely blown away by it and i remember my friend who lived across the street she we like i said this movie came out in 1996 i was eight years old mm-hmm. i just turned eight years old and i watched this movie and Obviously, she's in. Or she, me and her are in the same grade, so she's like the same age as me. Her parents aren't gonna let that watch them watch that movie. Yeah. So I was telling her about it, and I remember, like, telling her about all the scenes, and like we would we would play because I had like the mask afterwards the next year on oh, Halloween, yeah, for sure. and we would just fucking pretty much like be cosplaying and like playing around like fucking killer and all that stuff. And I just remember for years afterwards, I was Ghostface for Halloween, and then when they invented the Ghostface with the heart and the pump with yeah. the blood coming oh, yeah. down the face i was i was that for for years after that and yeah it was it was uh 
it was a very impactful movie. I really liked it, and I think to this day, it 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 still holds a, a place in my heart. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, that's that's where we were when we first saw this movie. So let's get into a little bit of how the movie was made, pretty much. So like I said, it had a budget of fourteen to fifteen million dollars, and then it made one hundred and seventy three million dollars, which. It doesn't seem that crazy because you think about how popular horror movies are, but there's just a handful of horror movies that go on to be that successful. Halloween, Friday the 13th. And even those movies, they don't make that kind of money. Mm -hmm. It's just horror movies have this thing that usually you you have unknown stars in them. Yeah, They're usually set in one location, and the budget's really low. You don't have to spend that much money. And if you make twice your money, three times your money... You're gonna get a sequel, and yeah. you know it's just gonna be played out that way. This movie, like quadrupled its money, went over that. Mm-hmm. Actually, just just made a shitload of money, and a lot of that was due to the fact that it had some notable stars in it, which usually that doesn't happen in horror movies. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it's directed by Wes Craven, and Wes Craven himself, we got to talk about a little bit because he's just a horror icon. It's the first director, even though I like the other directors that, of the movies that we've done. He's 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 just a whole monolith of himself um, in the horror genre. He 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 did movies. He had like a banger pretty much every decade for like thirty years. You know, he started off with uh, Last House on the Left in nineteen seventy two, which is a very horrific movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Hills Have Eyes in nineteen seventy seven. Then he did Nightmare on Elm Street in 1984, and then he does Scream in 1996, and he goes on and does other stuff, Wishmaster in 97, Dracula 2000, and the uh, year 2000. Yeah, so anyway, uh, Wes Craven has a very insane career in the horror genre. He's another guy like John Carpenter, like Sam Raimi, that just kind of redefined a bunch of different just just like genre types and and everything and with this movie he reinvents himself he does some of the greatest you know some of the greatest horror movies early on especially with nightmare on elm street concept alone is just great like Mm -hmm. you you're not safe when you fall asleep and everybody has to fall asleep and then he makes this movie and it's making fun of itself it's making fun of other horror movies it's super meta and it's just really really um it's just genre redefining because like i said you know, the first real slasher movie, <clears throat> I guess you could say is Psycho, mm-hmm. but this type of slasher movie where somebody is stalking somebody, 1978's John Carpenter's Halloween, and that kind of creates the mask stalker, the mask uh, slasher. Yeah. And then you have stuff like Friday the 13th in the 80s, and then the genre kind of died. You get you get other stuff in between there, co- copycats of that stuff that was never as good, and then the genre kind of dies. Mm-hmm. And then we get this writer, um, Kevin Williamson, who was inspired by, I think, the real a real killing, um, Gainesville Ripper. Um, and he started penning this script based off of a treatment that he saw. Um, and he called it Scary Movie uh, originally, which is uh, which is funny. I mean, it makes oh, wow. it makes sense because, you know, the whole plot. Yeah. It's about reenacting pretty much a scary movie. Mm. So he had it. He had it uh, written up. Then the movie gets uh, bought by Dimension Films, uh, and then gets handled by Miramax, which is handled by the Weinstein's. And we'll talk a little about that when we get to casting and stuff like that. Wes Craven comes on board to direct it, 
And it's cool that he does it because, you know, he's 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 a veteran in the field and this script is really smart. It's campy, but in yeah. a good way. Mm-hmm. And then the last, you know, like 20 minutes of it with oh. the reveal and everything, oh, yeah. it it's it it has all the tropes of a scary movie that you would expect. Mm-hmm. So you're just like, "Oh, I know what this is. I know how this is going to play out and everything like that." And then at the very end of the movie, it fucking changes everything that you know about scary movies. Yeah. It leans into it, but it also just shifts the tide like so crazy. So yeah, the movie the movie uh was written passed on through Dimension Miramax, and then it goes into production um, after they find the cast. So we could talk a little bit about the cast right now. Drew Barrymore. Mm. Drew Barrymore is fantastic in this movie, but she's only in a little bit of it. So yeah. the story behind that is, is obviously we know Drew Barrymore from all her famous roles, E.T., Firestarter. She was she was a up-and-comer in the 80s, and then she became very prolific by the time she was in the 90s, and she reads his script, and she really likes it, and she sign- actually signs on to be Sidney Prescott, which is the main character played by, by Nev Campbell. She signs on to be Sidney Prescott, and already that's a game-changer for this movie because, like I said, mm-hmm. horror movies usually don't have any notable casts in, in them at all, but... She really liked the script, so that's that's great. And and, and the the producers, Weinstein's, and everybody else, they thought it was a good idea because it's going to reach a way wider audience for a horror movie. They'll actually get a lot of bang for their buck. So she's really interested in it. She signed on to be Sydney, but there's some other um, stuff that she's tied to that she has to do. So her role is significantly cut, um, and she plays um, Jesus Christ. I can't even remember her name now. she plays the girl at the beginning that yeah, dies. I yeah, I, 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 I'm going completely blank right now. But that was another thing about this movie that shocked audiences is that the biggest star in this movie, because, uh, you know, Corny Cox was on Friends, but it, Friends wasn't what Friends became yet. Yeah, no way. Nev Campbell had just been in The Craft and some of the other actors, you know, they had been in a lot of stuff, but nobody really knew them from anything that spectacular. And you have this big-name actress... And right away, she dies at the beginning of the movie. So that already shook audiences like, what the fuck? What's this movie going to be yeah. about? Like, I don't, I mean, she's, she was on all the posters, like, mm-hmm. and all the, all the TV ads and everything. So threw people for a loop for sure. Real quick, hold on. Yeah. Before you go. Well, why do, is it because actors, like big name actors, don't really, aren't really fond of doing horror movies? Or do, you know, the casting directors and directors um, don't want big name actors in movies no that's that's never i would say 99 percent of the time you want a big actor in your movie at at, at any cost it doesn't really um so horror movies really are looked down upon in the industry because they're usually not good um there's very few horror movies that stand the test of time they usually produce a bunch of shitty sequels. It's crazy because a lot of big name actors start off in in horror movies. Viggo Mortensen, Paul Rudd, uh, Jennifer Aniston, Jennifer Aniston, fucking uh, <laughs> Rachel. I can't even remember her name. Chicken and Jerry Maguire. Uh, yeah, Zellweger, Renee Zellweger, Renee yeah. Zellweger. Which one was she in? She was in um, in a uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. Ah, one of the sequels. But uh, yeah, uh, they're, they're usually not good, and just in general in the industry, they're kind of just looked down upon. There's there's very few that that 
are like this movie or like Halloween, they usually sprout stars. They usually don't bring them in to, to be to be on there. So yeah. So next up we have Nev Campbell, who in this movie, I think she does a really great job. She was on Party of Five, so she was getting notoriety amongst like that was kind of like a teen soap kind of kind of show, and she was also in the movie The Craft, which is a I like that movie for whatever reason. Uh, we could talk about that movie if we ever do that one, but yeah, I love that it's movie. yeah, it's 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 um she was getting notoriety from that, and the producer saw her and decided to go with her after Drew Barrymore left the part, and so for her to step into this role. After knowing that Drew Barrymore was going to be it, and that's the expectations that the producers had for that role and everything, I think would have been pretty tough to handle. And I think she plays the role pretty pretty well. She she seems smarter than the other people. Pretty despondent because her mom's dead, and there's yeah. a murder one year later after her mom got murdered and everything. Yeah. But she goes through the role pretty pretty well. I think I think she like i said she plays when you see her get attacked by the killer you kind of see like gears turning in her head so that she doesn't seem like a complete idiot and i think that's a good thing because you get that same like vibe from well you get that same vibe from women in horror movies a lot because they're usually the ones being attacked by other people but she's she's good in the movie i like her in the role so that's uh that's nev campbell courtney cox the next one, Gail Weathers. Um, she was, like I said, she was in Friends, and Friends wasn't what it became. It was, it was getting very popular, but it certainly wasn't what it was by the end of it. She read the script apparently and liked the idea because she plays such a different character on Friends. I think on Friends she's like a real control freak, but she's you know mm-hmm. like nice and everything. She liked the idea of playing this bitch character that really um really offsets the whole dynamic of like the teens or whatever she's a little bit older she's a reporter yeah and she's kind of like take no shit she's really mean to her to her assistant or her cameraman or whatever i don't care for courtney cox that much she's interchangeable for sure they could have yeah they they could anybody but but i think she i think she played the role well enough i i certainly i don't so i don't care for her choices of roles or how like the stuff that she does but i think she played a good enough bitch for me to be like oh i like the way she's yeah. playing playing this role believable for um sure. for sure you know she she like i said she was in friends and then she's in ace ventura which i i love that movie so much <laughs> yeah. but even in that movie i think she's kind of interchangeable yeah. like I, I don't really see the see the appeal we talked about uh, three thousand miles from graceline the mm-hmm. other day she's in that movie which i think I mean, she was just trying to do different stuff yeah. other than friends. It's kind of—I find it kind of weird for her to be play that character in that movie, but yeah, you know, that's neither here nor there. One of my favorites, and also not favorites in the cast, is Matthew Lillard. Matthew Lillard was a guy when I was growing up, especially when I saw this movie. I didn't know what overacting was. Yeah. <laughs> I just oh, thought—I just yeah, thought I acting did. was acting, and it was good all the time. Especially if you um, scream a lot and you just yeah, make a lot of hand just, gestures. Yeah, and you're just going and you're making faces yeah. and a bunch of stuff. <laughs> so Matthew Lillard is a strange, strange one for me because this movie I really liked him in and I, I thought he was really devious and, you know, just like kind of scary at the end when he's going off. And I followed his career 
afterwards. He's in another movie called The Curve, and then later on when I was in junior high, uh, I saw that movie SLC Punk, and that fucking, I was just like, oh my god, he's the greatest actor ever, because I was like all punk rock and all that bullshit, so... Um, and then he does Scooby Doo and Scooby Doo <laughs> Two, and he kind of just ruined his career from that. And like, I was kind of sad to see him go. But getting older and then rewatching even movies that I love, like SLC Punk and this movie, I'm like, he kind of, kind of pigeonholed himself a little bit without a paddle too. Without a paddle, Thirteen uh, Ghosts, which oh, I I really liked I when still I was like that movie. I, I watch it again. It's not great. I like I love the whole concept, yeah. like all the all the. I remember on the DVD they had like backstories for all the ghosts and everything. Mm. I love that, but dude, that movie is edited horrible. Like it's so jarring. But I digress. Matthew mm-hmm. Lillard, I like the guy. I think he deserves more acting roles. I've seen him since. As older in a couple different shows, he's on a show called uh, Good Girls that was on NBC, and he had a small role in another show that I was watching on AMC called Halt and Catch Fire. At least I think that yeah, he was he was in that one, um, and he's a lot more buttoned down, yeah. like real quiet, and I think that's kind of where he shines. If a real quiet, I mean. As crazy as he is in this movie, I think by the end of it, when he's going fucking ham, he's just swinging for the fences, I think it kind of fits because he's got to be crazy to be a oh, high school sure. kid murdering people. So comes on uh, Yeah. Um, yeah. I like Matthew Lillard, and I wish him the best, but he made his choices. What about that, that quote that you... Uh, or unless you want to save it for later. No, which one were you the, saying? The, the line that he said that you're like, oh, he improvised that. Oh, uh, we could we could yeah. talk about that later when we <laughs> actually when, that, we, that, when that. we actually get in the scene. Really he improvised a, a few things in this uh, apparently, so uh, we'll 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 talk about that. So next up, uh, we got Skeet Ulrich, which I can't say much about him. He's not in a whole lot other than this movie. I mean, I'm sure he's done some independent stuff, but I haven't seen a whole lot of it. I like him in this movie. He's got this really like really scary quality to him where you always kind of suspect him of being the killer but at the same time there's just so much evidence stacking up that you're like oh he can't be the killer but obviously we know he is by the end of it but apparently the uh the producers saw him and they were like oh that guy kind of reminds me of a young johnny depp just Mm. like in nightmare on l street let's use let's let's use him and he had that quality for sure right before this he was actually in the craft with nev campbell as well he's got a pretty small role in that one but he steps it up for this one I um I I I like him in this role, and I especially like him at the end of the movie because he's he's very subdued throughout the whole movie, mm-hmm. and by the end of it, when he's getting really angry and giving his motives and everything, and you get a little bit a little bit of it in the video store, and we'll talk about that scene a little bit later. But uh, I think he's I think he's great at this part. He 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 had exactly what the role needed him to mm-hmm. be for, um, needed from him, I would say, and he does a really good job at. Being subtle and then being a fucking complete psychopath. And yeah. I think I think he's good at that. Um, next up, we have Rose McGowan. This is uh, I like Rose McGowan. <laughs> she's like a like a no bullshit kind of lady. Obviously, she has a pretty pretty crazy story outside of outside of Holly or outside of the movies that she's made. She's been very outspoken about misogyny in Hollywood, and obviously there's a lot of news about Harvey Weinstein blackballing her because she didn't want to fuck him. Actually, uh, 
that's a lot of the reasons why she didn't do as much stuff. She's she's a pretty good actress. She can be a little uh, play a little ditzy in certain stuff, but I've seen stuff where she's actually pretty pretty good in. I like I like her in this movie. She just plays the the a great bitch and friend <laughs> and friend to Sydney. It's just it's just like a yeah. a cornerstone of like either you're a ditz or you're a bitch as the in best the friend of yeah as no just in horror movies in general oh, like yeah. as as a um, as a friend to the the lead uh, protagonist pretty much. Yeah. And I think she's good in the role. Uh, she's very mean to her brother, and it's plays pl- played off really, really funny. And yeah, I think without the whole Weinstein scenario, she would have been a lot more stuff. I guess I I heard a story that after after all that went down, she got blacklisted and wasn't in a bunch of stuff. Uh, you know, Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez worked worked for years really closely with the Weinstein Company and Dimension and and Miramax. Um, and when they were doing their double feature, Death Proof and uh, Planet Hollywood, or Planet Planet Hollywood, Planet, <laughs> Planetary, excuse me, yeah. Planetary, uh, she's the main character in Planetary. Yep. And Robert Rodriguez went as far as to like verbally threaten Harvey Weinstein because Harvey Weinstein was like, she's not going to be in my fucking movie and blah, blah, blah. And they were dating actually at the time, uh, Rose McGowan and, and, uh, Robert Rodriguez. Oh shit! Yeah, they were dating at the time, and Rodriguez, uh, like, went off the chain and fucking physically threatened Harvey Weinstein, which is just another a tribute to Robert Rodriguez as a person uh-huh. and a filmmaker and a powerhouse in Hollywood. You know, he he's he's definitely one of those people who paved his own way oh, sure. through everything. Like he. He's just an amazing uh, filmmaker in general, and obviously he's not gonna fucking take any shit from one of the most powerful people in Hollywood. I wouldn't imagine someone who makes movies like that would take any shit from anybody. Really. Yeah, I like, mean he he seems like a real Texan, and yeah. like he'll fucking shoot you, you know. <laughs> Give me a reason. <laughs> yeah, like you know for real. Uh, yeah, you, you know he's fa- he's famously a very Texan man, so I'm pretty sure he'll just shoot you. Uh, next up, we got David Arquette. David Arquette, he's not in a bunch of things, and he's definitely an overactor. I like him in this movie just because, I don't know, he just seems like a loser. And sometimes <laughs> losers are fun. Yeah. They're just they're just nice. People make fun of him. He's not by any means bad as the character at all. I think he knew exactly what the character called for. Yeah. And he brought that to the screen. Yeah. He gets stepped over a lot. There is, I feel like there's a little bit in there and i was talking about it earlier downstairs where he's about to go on a walk with gail and you he shines a light on his face and he's like oh what if dewey's a killer and i was like oh it makes sense he he got access to all the evidence yeah. you know he could erase whatever evidence he wants and whatever but that's neither here nor there david arquette's had a pretty weird career he um First movie I ever saw him in was uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh. Yeah, he plays fucking Jason Priestley's... Fr- or not Jason Priest. Yeah, Jason Priest. No. Luke Perry. Luke Perry's, um, like, sidekick, and then he turns into a vampire. Obviously, he's got very famous uh, brothers and sisters, Patricia Arquette, who won an Oscar for A Boy's Life, and Alexis Arquette, rest in peace, who was in Pulp Fiction, and she was also in... Um, uh, she played George in The Wedding Singer. Mm-hmm. So he, he I think he kind of just got lumped in with the rest of his famous family to be in movies. Yeah. 
And then after that, he's in some other movies. He's in a movie we were talking about earlier called Ready to Rumble, which I personally love a lot, and I hope we do that on this <laughs> podcast in the future. I need um, to watch it again. It's been a long time. Since I, 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 you love wrestling. I think you'll love the movie. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. And I, I just love Oliver Platt. Uh, Oliver Platt's one of my favorite actors of all time, and he's fucking great in that movie. Anyway, yeah, David Arquette. And then after that, like I said, Ready to Rumble. He does a movie like Eight-Legged Freaks. Oh fuck! I remember that. Uh, which is a cool little monster picture. Yeah, I liked it. Stars a very young Scarlett Johansson. That I saw in the theater. I remember yeah. going to see that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's just, it, that. That's funny. And then I actually saw a preview recently for a documentary he made. He got really into wrestling. After, oh yeah. Yeah, really into wrestling, and he made a documentary about like making a comeback, but as a wrestler. Very strange. Well, he got really fucked up in a match. Yeah, uh, that's what I. That's, years that's what I, that's what I heard. So yeah. very strange, uh, very strange career for him. Then after that, we have uh, Jamie Kennedy. Jamie Kennedy in this movie is pretty annoying. <laughs> I feel like he's pretty annoying in real life. He doesn't have a great career after this. He makes a movie called Kicking It Old School, where he appropriates black culture and just makes a total ass of himself. The best part about that movie is a story that Bobby Lee has about it where he – because he's in it and he talks about how his parents went to go see it in Arizona and he oh, walked yeah. in. And they call and he's like, there's nobody in here. There's nobody in the theater. And then they just left and didn't watch the movie. And then he makes I, – I haven't seen this movie, but I watched a video essay on it. And it just seems like the worst movie anybody could have ever made I'm ever. I've seen it. What is it? It's called Son of the Mask. Oh, no. Okay, yeah. It's called Son of the... It's a sequel to The Mask. Oh, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I wouldn't it, dare watch something It like that. seems absolutely batshit crazy and just awful on every single level. Oh, yeah. So that's the kind of career that Jamie Kennedy had. Um, he, he's been a podcaster now. I actually saw an interview with him, and I know it's partly true, but I also know it's nobody wanted to cast him anything because he's not that great. He's talking about how Hollywood, everybody's fake, and you need to be this type of person to make it in the industry, which, yeah, it's true. But you also need a little bit of talent if you're going to make an actual name for yourself and people are going to take you seriously. And I personally don't think that he's got the chops to to do it. Even for comedy. Yeah, he's not like, he's not funny at all, really. So yeah. that's Jamie Kennedy. I, I bet I got a lot of shit for the Kevin Costner bashing in the last episode. <laughs> I swear to God, if people come after me for j- bashing Jamie Kennedy, I am going to change my lifestyle. I don't completely. think anyone's going to come after you. I, I don't think so either. Little special shout out because we were talking about him earlier. W. Earl Brown. Um, he plays Kenny, the cameraman. He's just been in a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff that I really like. Uh, stuff like Something About Mary, Vanilla Sky, Deep Impact. And uh, he's kind of a chameleon. I, when I was telling everybody else who he, who he was and what he had been in, nobody kind of believed me when we were watching the movie earlier. Well, not that they didn't believe me, but they were just kind of shocked to be like, oh, shit, that's him. So I just thought I'd shout, it, shout him out. And he said Deadwood, too. Yeah, he's, in, he's also in Deadwood. Yeah. And last up, um, I think we need to talk about Henry Winkler a little bit. Oh, yeah. Obviously, he's the Fonz. He deserves all our praise for being the Fonz and jumping the shark and creating that whole, that, whole, that whole thing. I find it extremely funny that he was supposed to be the cool. At one per- point, all of white America thought he was the coolest cool, person yeah. in the entire world. And then... <laughs> He jumps a shark in jean shorts, first off. And then he has this this really awesome comedy career yeah. afterwards. I mean, he's in this movie. He's he's a very small part. He gets killed right away. But Henry Winkler, if I would have saw 
you know, happy days and that's it. I'd be like, who cares about that guy? Mm-hmm. But he has like these great, great comedy roles in the, in the 90s. You know, he's in The Waterboy and he's fucking hilarious in that movie. Oh my God. So, so funny in that movie. And he does another couple team ups with, with um, Adam Sandler. He's in Click. Um, he was on Arrested Development. He played their, the family lawyer and he was absolutely awful and it's just really, really funny. Um, and now he's on that show Barry with Bill Hader, yeah, and he's great. fucking fantastic. I think he won uh, an award or several for that show recently. Okay. Um, he's really good in that show. Just his comedic timing is absolutely yeah. impeccable. He's just a really, really funny guy, and I think he deserves praise for that. And I, I don't like to think of him as the Fonz anymore. He, he's he's Henry Winkler, and oh, yeah. and he's a fucking comedy genius. Uh, I, I thought I, I thought I heard him say in an interview that that. Um... For, for like being the Fonz, like he was like, yeah, nobody wants to see an old guy trying to get chicks. Or was that him, or was that somebody else? I feel like I heard like I heard that on yeah. something. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it was him, but I I yeah. feel like I've heard that in an interview or like in a movie actually yeah. or well, something. Yeah. The, they they they're like, re- referencing that, right? that. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe that's. I I, mean, I know. I think. Maybe I think it's close few, to what the yeah, decision think, he made. You know? I think a few comedians have bits about that too. Um, but he he had to have that conversation with himself, you know. He's like, "Oh yeah, well, I, need, de- I need to go comedy, definitely, definitely, for sure, and just be like the goofy guy or like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah." Because I mean, at the time when he was in in Happy Days, he was a young actor. Yeah. Usually, when you're a young actor, you kind of just take whatever yeah. they're gonna give you, and to be a series regular, and then obviously. You're playing the coolest person in the world. It was probably like a shock because he's a young. He was a young kid and yeah. and obviously not that cool in real life yeah um for those reasons at least and it probably was just awesome for him to be in the limelight and mm-hmm. have chicks chasing after him and a bunch of other stuff so our man i don't know i don't know if henry Rinkler's gay i'm not sure yeah if he was gay it wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me but who knows that's his personal business okay so that's the cast like we said some famous people in it got a lot wider acceptance around the globe made it a lot of money um, let's get back into our next segment and uh, let's talk about the most rewatchable played again scenes. So, as we were watching it, I was kind of kind of thinking there's not a lot of scenes. Mm-mm. There's a lot of sequences that yeah. are rewatchable. The only two scenes that I could say uh, that are like complete scenes that are rewatchable is the opening. And the ending reveal. Yeah. Um, so we'll talk about those two, um, but we'll go through the other sequences that, you know, are, are heart pounding and, you know, just you, you could you could watch them over and over again. So the opening scene to this movie is iconic. Mm-hmm. Everybody, everybody knows, like, what's your favorite scary movie? Like, everybody knows that. And it's and it and it sets up. The precedent for the rest of the movie and the rest of the franchise and how movies are going to be going forward you know you 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 have drew barrymore the biggest star in the whole movie mm-hmm. and she's all alone and she gets this phone call and obviously you can tell it's a little bit of devious person on the other line because he keeps calling back and the voice is so iconic and and really creepy uh, and she's in this fucking huge house. That's another thing that I was like thinking about. Like, where do these people live? That all their houses are just massive. Yeah, they're rich as fuck. Yeah, they're it's it's insane. I think that opening scene 
the game that he's playing with her and the first real scare that she gets mm-hmm. is she asks him, why do you want to know my name? So you got a boyfriend? <laughs> why? You want to ask me out on a date? Maybe. Do you have a boyfriend? Um, no. You never told me your name. Why do you want to know my name? I want to know who I'm looking at. What did you say? I want to know who I'm talking to. That's not what you said. What do you think I said? What? Hello? Look, I gotta go. Wait, I thought we were gonna go out. Uh, nah, I don't think so. Don't hang up on me. And he replies to her, because I want to know who I'm looking at. And I can imagine when I first heard that, I was just like, "Oh shit!" Yeah. As an eighteen or an eight-year-old kid oh, yeah. hearing that, I was right just there. like, "Holy fuck!" And I can imagine being in a theater with a whole bunch of people, oh, yeah. just sitting there, and this movie starts, and just that little line. And that's another thing: I can't think of a lot of lines of dialogue in horror movies that just stand out like that and that's really scary and really good to just start off the movie and then past that they get into the game she's asking questions and her boyfriend gets killed we were making a lot of judgments about oh why doesn't she do this why doesn't she do that but i think i think everybody does that they do that in the movie when they're watching halloween yeah the this whole movie is very meta but (laughs) i think we forget a lot of the time how people i mean i don't i know for me personally when it comes to flight or fight i'm a flight person like i will fucking book it and if i get cornered i will just grab whatever's around me and fucking chuck it at you or try to stab you or something but i like in in high ten like like high tension situations i am not good so i don't know how rationally i'd be thinking so i kind of give a lot of people in horror movies a little bit of well, Sway for that. Well, we could think back to when we did the escape room. How did we all act there? That's true. That all was, of us were scared shitless. Yeah, we really were. <laughs> uh, but we made it through. We made it through. Yeah. So she gets she gets caught by the killers. Oh, and that's another thing that I was thinking about. Throughout the whole movie, it's a fun little game to try to figure out who is in the costume. Is it mm-hmm. Stu? Is it Billy? Or is it both of them at the same time? I wrote it down right when we started watching the movie, like, who is it this time? Mm-hmm. But it's later revealed that it has to be Billy because they talk about uh, Stu being with um, Tatum, uh, Rose McGowan's character, yeah. Uh, yeah. the next day. So she gets killed. Her parents hear her on the phone. And uh, Jesus Christ, just this whole first scene, dude, yeah. the whole first scene is really awesome. But while we were watching it, everybody we were watching it with, it just scary movie the whole time. Mm-hmm. It's so hard to not think about all oh, the dude. all the jokes. And and the funny thing about that, like a normal comedy movie, there are jokes that are spread out a minute, three minutes at a time. In a parody movie like Scary Movie, there are jokes every thirty seconds. <laughs> so we were sitting there just like thinking about every joke yeah. over and over and over again. And it was just ridiculous. So Drew Barrymore gets killed at the end of the scene. And that's how audiences receive this movie right at the beginning. She gets killed. Her her mother sees her hanging from a tree, intestines hanging out yeah. of her body, and it's just so 
fucking gruesome. And apparently, when this movie was being written and being bought by Dimension, they had to cut a lot of stuff out because it was a lot more gory than mm. it actually ended up in the film, which happens a lot with horror movies. But hey, what are you gonna do? Yeah, I think I think that's to, to me. I can already say that's probably like the most rewatchable scene because it just sets up this movie for a fucking yeah, like pretty much. That's a Hail Mary, and the rest of the movie could sit on fucking cruise control because that was just a great setup. Mm -hmm. And that hardly happens with movies. The next rewatchable scene or sequence that I would say is the Hello Sydney part. When he first calls her and she's at her home after her, after her dad's already gone. I had questions about that scene because things, things seem to be so meticulously planned out. For them, and I'm sure it's plot holes and writings and, and, and writing and everything. Like I said before, Billy stops. He comes up in the window later on. There's no way while well, Sid's trying to get the cops online for him to run downstairs, take the costume off, and then run up to the climb up to the window. There's not enough time, so it had to have been Stu that was inside of her house. But I'm wondering. Right before she runs upstairs in that scene, he has her on the floor and he puts his arms above his head and he's going to kill her. Mm -hmm. Was that their intention the whole time? It, like, let's just kill her when we can kill her? Or are we going to set this whole elaborate scheme up at my house and all that stuff? It's it's interesting to me. Um, these guys seem to have... Um, like, it seems pretty planned out. Like, especially if they're recreating a scary movie, you know, they would, she's the whole reason that he's killing anyway. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Or trying to kill her, mm -hmm. or kill, killed the mom, because it ruined his life. Yeah. Know? And then, so now, I'm gonna, now, you're next, because, you know, you're gonna do the same, you know, if, you know what, for whatever reason, you know? Mm -hmm. So, I think, I think he, he just wanted to scare the shit out of her, and then, at the at the end and the big reveal whatever like killer so yeah. she can see that it was him you know do, but do you not think that let's say hey you know Stu's got her on the floor he stabs her once she kind of like blacks out then Billy comes in and then uh, and then uh. they and then they bring her dad in from the car and do that whole thing right there do you think maybe they they would have done that. They like they had fail saves. Okay, if this plan goes wrong this night, then uh, we'll do it the next night or like something like that. But then uh, Stu would have to go. When's he, when does he kill his girlfriend? I don't. I think I think a lot of a lot of it just happens. It just happens. And another thing about that, I was thinking about that too. Even with the scene that we're talking about, Stu seems like the person that would get really overzealous. Yeah. That like if you were his girlfriend and you guys were banging and you told him not yet, he would just jizz, like, mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> like, he, he couldn't control himself. He yeah. seems like like a, like a typical serial killer type person is just mm -hmm. getting off on murdering people. So it could have been a plan to, you know, could have been a plan to play it all out, but maybe he would have been down to just kill her right away. So What's his motive? Peer pressure. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, oh, I like guess. That's what he says. Yeah. Uh, well, you guys were talking a lot about how you think that he's in love with Billy. So, yeah. yeah I mean, that could be, yeah. Uh, maybe. Maybe he's just fucking crazy, dude. I mean, who, who fucking knows? He brings, who brings What brings people to do this sh kind of shit? Another cool little sequence is the 
next day after Billy gets released, the whole school, uh, the whole school part, you know, uh, Sid's in the bathroom. She's hearing this, these chicks talk about her and then they finally leave. And then she comes in. And that's, that's one of the things that I was wondering about too, is that guy when they're in the hallways runs by in the scream costume. Mm -hmm. Was the guy in the bathroom, Stuart Billy, or was it just somebody else fucking with her? Oh shit! Yeah, you know, um, because he doesn't. Ha- if you notice, I was I was looking this time. He doesn't have a knife on him. When he goes to grab her, he's just going to grab her. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I don't know. I never I never really thought about it before tonight. Was that really them, or was it just somebody else trying to fuck with her? Hmm. And then obviously, right after that, you get. Um, they all go home for the party, but then Henry Winkler buys it. He fucking gets killed right yeah. away um maybe it is a, an imposter or a copycat maybe um so so the thing about henry winkler dying i guess i guess that was in the script and the writer williamson thought that it wasn't necessary but harvey weinstein and wes craven thought oh we haven't seen the killer in a while and we haven't had a killing on screen in a while so i think that we just need to have somebody else die <laughs> so they put it back in there and they killed him and the scene works, I think. It gets all the kids out of the party at the end because if that doesn't happen, they don't leave. Yeah. I'm sure they could have came up with another reason for them to all leave, but that's what that's happens. So they were glad uh, the writer was glad that they kept it in there. The next scene that I have that's enjoyable for me to watch is the the video store scene. Basically where Jamie Kennedy kind of reveals the entire movie without the audience knowing that he's talking about the whole movie he's setting up the rules about how scary movies work about serial killers you know i think it's her father why can't they find her pops man because he's probably dead his body will come popping up in the last reel somewhere eyes gouged out fingers cut off teeth knocked out See, the police are always off track with this shit. If they'd watch prom night, they'd save time. There's a formula to it. A very simple formula. Everybody's a suspect. And then you get this really, really devious little interaction with him and Billy where he's calling Billy out and saying that he's the killer, and then he comes up behind him, and then they kind of surround him and scare scare him out of his wits really quick. That scene's really fun. Um, I think that's... The only scene really where, well, that scene and then the scene where Jamie Kennedy explains the rules at the party. Mm-hmm. Uh, those two scenes are the best parts where he shines. I fucking hate his uh, when they're on the water fountain and he does that. Did you really see find her liver in the oh, mailbox God, and everything? Yeah. Like, dude, just really bad. I I I I really don't like Jamie Kennedy. Would you have ra- rather have seen at that time instead of him? Instead of him, yeah, almost anybody. Uh, I'm trying to think if you could Seth Green yeah I think Seth Green would have worked Ethan Embry would have worked uh, Ethan Embry I don't think because I, I don't think that the role called for that like kind of comedic yuck yuck like thing yeah. I think that's something that Jamie Kennedy did I think uh, his character would have been a lot more likable because Seth Green could be funny but he doesn't need to be Ethan Embry at the time too he was very like skinny, like wet behind the ears type looking kid. I think he would have been good in those yeah. in that part, um, and not been that annoying. Sorry, I just thought of this. Right, two things. Right, what's now. up? <laughs> All right. First thing, instead of Stu, imagine uh, Gary Busey's son 
as, as <laughs> oh man he was i think i think he was too old at the time uh, even though they're all like in their 30s yeah. but uh wow <laughs> wow <laughs> wow that'd be hilarious you know that's a good that's a good uh, recast that's a good recast and then if they remade this movie yeah michael Sarah and jonah hill <laughs> see michael sarah getting a little woozy uh, here no but how are you gonna have a fat jonah hill well uh, if he loses the weight yeah he loses the weight all right so it, oh, he, he loses man. the weight oh uh, no that's good that was a good one all right uh next rewatchable sequence i think is when tatum dies uh it's a lot of people have a problem with her trying to squeeze throughout the doggy door i think in a panic you could have probably done it if you had a little bit more time i think there are so many things in that garage that she could have kept throwing. Yes, throwing like at him. you said, his head was on the stairs. Dude, just stomp him. That, yeah. that we were we were saying that that this is how you know none of these people and most people in horror movies don't grow up in the hood is nobody stomps anybody out. <laughs> in the hood, I've seen so many people get stomped out in my life. Oh yeah. Not that I've grown up in the hood, but I've definitely not grown up in fucking mansions on farmlands and shit yeah. like that. And I've seen a lot of people get stomped out. Nobody stomps anybody out in this movie. It's like a very, like, simple defense tactic, you know, or or offensive tactic. Somebody's on the floor. Give them a couple, boom, boom. Yeah. Especially someone trying to kill you. I know I said flight or fight. If I'm there and they're on the floor, I'm going to stomp them out. Yeah. If they're standing up and they got a knife or something, yeah, I'll fucking run away. But, like I said, I'm in a closed room. There's so much. She throws the beer bottles at them, which is great. And, dude, I could not stop thinking about... (laughs) scary movie in this movie a cat knocks over like some shovels and shit she turns around she's like oh cat and it runs out the little door in scary movie the same thing happens but then it happens again but there's a fucking horse in the bar (laughs) just died and then the 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 girl in scary movie she's a heavier chick and that's the joke she she tries tries to get out of the out of the um the cat door and instead of Fuck, let's just start reviewing Scary Movie right now. (laughs) You don't know where one ends and the other one begins, man. Yeah, uh, it's just really funny. But yeah, no, that scene's really that scene's really good. She gets her head crushed in the in the fucking in the in the garage door. Which, dude, there's no way in hell a garage door is ever gonna lift up a person. Not only that, but these people have money and they don't have that fucking sensor that that that, oh that stop that that stops stops the the door. door. Yeah, yeah. Come on, you're right. You're right. So it is a rewatchable part, but it's it's ridiculous and a little unbelievable. But it's a horror movie, so what the fuck are you gonna do? And the last, um, oh no no no, we got a couple more. So uh, the next rewatchable scene that I think is is really important and and uh, says a lot. We were talking about it. This movie is extremely meta. Everybody knows that. But the scene where Jamie Kennedy talks about the rules of horror movies. This movie, all the way up into the last minute, plays on tropes from every other slasher movie, almost every other horror movie you can imagine. So you think you know what you're getting. Mm -hmm. And if you don't know what you're getting, if you're a person that's not about horror movies or whatever, you have Jamie Kennedy who gives his exposition to all the teenagers. Don't you know the rules? What rules? You don't... Jesus Christ, you don't know the rules? Have an aneurysm, why don't you? There are certain rules that one must abide by in order to successfully survive a horror movie. For instance, number one, 
You can never have sex. Big no no. Big no. Sex equals death. Okay. Number two, you can never drink or do drugs. No, the sin factor. It's a sin. It's an extension of number one. And number three, never, ever, ever, under any circumstances, say I'll be right back. Cause you won't be back. I'm getting another beer. You want one? Yeah, sure. I'll be right back. And he goes through the rules, and he's talking about, oh, you can't have sex, you can't mm-hmm. drink drugs, you, you can't drink or do do drugs. do drugs or anything, and they're all giving him shit for it, but he knows the rules. Funny enough, Stu and Billy know the rules, too, and that's what they're kind of playing by yeah. the whole time. You know, this, uh, while this is happening, while he is telling them, mm-hmm. you can't have sex, you can't do drugs or whatever, Nev Campbell and Billy are having sex with each other. Or Sydney and Billy are having sex with each other, and I was thinking in this scene, like, because you know, like, I w- obviously we wouldn't have been thinking of it when we first saw it because uh, you know we didn't know who the killer was. Mm-hmm. But I was thinking in this scene, how fucking crazy and how fucked up, and what are you thinking about having sex with this girl, knowing you're going to murder her right after this? Like, how fucked up in the head are are you? It's just it's just insane, and I think about this in movies a lot too. When you see characters who you know you've seen the movie already, you know they're gonna die, mm-hmm. and you're seeing them on their last day and how they act, and they have no idea that they're gonna die, they're, that they're gonna that they're gonna kill it. Obviously, Sidney doesn't die, but I was just thinking about it while we were watching. I was like, dude, this guy's banging this chick, and I I bet what gets him off is like I'm gonna murder that, her, yeah. like I'm gonna I'm gonna kill her right mm-hmm. after this. Um, but anyway, it's an amazing scene specifically because of um, Jamie Kennedy, you know, shouting out all the rules. And it's stuff that you kind of knew already, like I said, if you watch horror movies, but nobody ever said it out loud, really. And that's what I'm talking about. This movie up until the reveal is everything that you can expect from a horror movie. And then all of a sudden it isn't. Mm-hmm. And we get to the last bit of it what what i wrote down was we all go a little mad sometimes which is a line from psycho that uh billy quotes so right before the reveal after they're done having sex a killer the killer comes in mm-hmm. and he stabs billy yeah. so right then and there everybody watching this movie for the first time is like oh shit billy's dead he's not the killer somebody else and you're thinking who the fuck could it be mm-hmm. it could be anybody the killer chases Sydney through the room. She falls out of the window, hits the hits the hits the the boat, tries to get away, sees the 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 news van, goes up to the news van, opens the door. The dude tries to tries to um oh, another another great thing about that too is while she's outside Jamie Kennedy's all alone because everybody left to go see Henry Winkler from that goalpost. And the killer's coming up. They're going to kill Jamie Kennedy. I always thought it was really cool. He's watching the part in Halloween where Michael Myers is chasing Jamie Lee Curtis. And she's screaming. And outside, Nev Campbell screams too. Mm. So Jamie Kennedy doesn't hear it. And the killer leaves. I always thought that was just a cool little thing that they did in there. So he follows her out to the news van. They see that the killer was right behind Jamie Kennedy the whole time. And then he remembers the delay. Turns around. Throat slit. Yeah. Nev Campbell mo- moves through the van. She manages to get away. 
and she runs back up to the house. Oh, she runs into the cop car, and this was another great thing that horror movies do. When the audience can see something that's happening that um, the person in the movie can't, it's always a real tension builder. She's sitting inside the cop car. She, the keys aren't in there. She, the the he's got he's he shows her he's got the keys, yeah. which is oh fuck. And then he goes down, ducks down, and that's a great thing. He could have stood there and opened oh, yeah. the door, but that's masterful horror directing. Uh, Wes Craven is a veteran yeah. at this. He ducks down. He's playing a game with her. The whole thing's about games. He ducks down. The locks start going up, 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 and she's putting them down. She's super, super scared. And then she stops. She's breathing. And then you see the, the, the back panel yeah. come up in the back, and then he hops in the back and she makes it out of there and she's running running to the house and she's running to the house and then you get this fucking awesome Jesus Christ what do we do and I think everybody watching this movie for the first time is in that panic that she's in oh, because yeah. she's so many things are going on and then you get Jamie Kennedy and Stu showing up trying to like let me in let me in or give me the gun give me the gun mm-hmm. and like you don't know who to trust you have no idea who to trust so then she locks them both out, fuck you both, locks the door, and then Billy stumbles out from upstairs. Almost falls downstairs. She trusts him. He just got stabbed. And then he gets, she gives him the gun. Jamie D comes comes in right away, and then you get the we all go a little mad sometimes. Boom, shoots him. And then we find out Billy is the killer. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, we find out Stu's been helping him the whole time. Surprise, Sydney. Oh, no. What's the matter, Sydney? You look like you've seen a ghost. Why are you doing this? It's all part of the game, Sydney. Call Gasser, I'm gonna die! So nobody's ever had ever done, at least to my knowledge, yeah. in popular horror or ever. It was just a groundbreaking idea that you didn't have one mass killer; you had two, mm-hmm. and that's how you could cover cover more ground. They do kind of the same thing in uh, Edgar Wright movie Hot Fuzz, where there's multiple killers, and that's why you can't catch them. That's why it seems like they can move fast. because that's the thing in, in horror movies too. The killer is miles away. You make it through the door, and all of a sudden they're in the same room. That's a play on that trope because. There's no way, like I said, the killer could have ran downstairs, got up, and blah, 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 to to be Billy in her room early on. That's a play on that horror trope, and that's how they did it. One was in this room. The Mm -hmm. other one was in that room. So no matter where you went, no matter what door you chose, you were going to be with the killer wherever they went. Like Jason does that all the time. Michael Myers does that all the time. How is he there It's it's just a thing, and that's a complaint that people had in horror movies all the time. There's no way. He's just walking. How could he get there that fast? This is how they did it with two killers. Mm -hmm. And I think that the first time I saw this, I was like mind blown. Just Mm -hmm. fucking boom. Like that's fucking crazy. And 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 it's then right after that you get their sick well thought out methodically uh thought out plan yeah about stabbing each other framing her dad Mm -hmm. on the one year anniversary of his wife's death and setting up a sequel for themselves 
you get that explanation and you start getting these crazy, crazy line readings from <laughs> Matthew Lillard. It's a scream, baby. Because, you know, these days you got to have a sequel. Like you get into all this fucking crazy shit. And then you get the real reason why Billy's yeah. doing this. It's because her mom was a hoe mm-hmm. and she was fucking his dad, his dad and his mom left because of that. Yeah. But then what they didn't tell us is that his mom was banging Sid's dad, and it was really all concocted. <laughs> there, no, what it was is they were actually swingers, and they were all banging each other. And Sid and Billy are actually brother and sister. Oh. <laughs> so anyway, so we get that. And then you have Billy's like, they're, they're stabbing each other. They're going a little too deep. Matthew Lillard starts feeling it a lot, uh, and you get some great lines from from uh, from Billy from Skeet Ulrich, uh, like Sid. You know, don't go blaming the movies for or, uh, creating serial killers. Movies make serial killers more creative. Like it, you get some <laughs> yeah. some really good stuff that's just never been done in horror movies. Yeah. And like I said, after this movie, because the genre died, then you get I know what you did last summer. Oh, you yeah. get urban legends you get a bunch of different stuff you get a bunch of fucking scream sequels which never really reached the pinnacle of what this movie did but you know just it revitalized a whole genre the same way like the walking dead revitalized the zombie genre Mm -hmm. in like the early 2010s yeah so right after they reveal their plot billy tells them oh grab the gun turns around gun's gone gail weathers shows up and this is what we're talking about earlier matthew lillard as crazy as he is, um, to his credit, he improvised some of his lines. So when Gail Weathers comes up and she's got the gun, uh, the line is, I thought she said she was dead. Mm-hmm. And Matthew Lillard says she looked dead. And that was supposed to be the line. But what he says is she looked dead. She still does. Because <laughs> she's all <laughs> fucked up. And then, obviously, the gun's on safety. They kick Gail Weathers. Uh, Billy gets the gun back, but when they turn around, Nev Campbell's gone. Yeah, phone goes off, and Skeet Aldridge is fucking losing. He's getting really pissed off, talking to her on the phone and everything. And then he gives a phone to 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 he's he's trying to keep his cool. Yeah, but he wants to look for her, so he gives a phone to Matthew Lillard, and, he, and Matthew Lillard gives a little bit of a talk to him, and you know Sydney's taunting him and whatever. But Matthew Lillard at this point can't really do much because he's no. bleeding out so yeah. badly. So then. Skeet can't find her, so he comes back and starts raging out, and he throws the phone at Matthew Lillard. So <laughs> Skeet Ulrich really is pissed off, throws the phone at Matthew Lillard, hits him in the back of the head, and Matthew Lillard improvises the line. Improvises the line. Don't hit me with the phone, you dick! Hello? Oh, Stu, Stu, Stu. What's your motive? Billy's got one. The police are on their way. What are you going to tell them? Peer pressure. I'm far too sensitive. I'm gonna rip you off, you bitch! Just like your fucking mother! You've gotta find me first, you pansy-ass mama's boy! Fuck! Uh, fucking hit me with the phone, dick! <laughs> and they just keep it in the movie. <laughs> so good. Because um, you see that that phone bounces off the yeah. back of his head, dude. Oh, for sure. Um, so, <laughs> you know, they continue looking for her. I, I'm pretty sure, because they go off and they, and they, they follow Billy, and... Um, Stu is still by the phone. I'm pretty sure he's just recuperating from bleeding out or whatever. So Sydney pops out of the closet, fucking 
stabs Billy a couple times, and then she's got to fight Stu. And it's a cool little quick, like, back and forth between them. She hits him with the vase, and obviously she crushes his head with the TV. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about it earlier, too, after watching the movie. Those TVs... fucking heavy as shit. So I've been looking at our audience um, ages. Mm Mm-hmm. We're really big with people our age, 28 to 34. Sweet. Um, but we do have some people that, like, all four of these movies that we've done so far, they were out before these people were born. Oh, wow. Um, it's a very, very small group of people. But for your guys' information who don't know this, those TVs were <laughs> fucking massive. Yeah. And they were heavy as fuck. And they ran hot. Oh, yeah. Like, you, like if you put your hand – if you were watching TV for an hour and you put your hand behind the TV – it's like steam coming up from it. Yeah. So the idea that she throws that TV on this dude's head from that high up and then it just breaks open and it's still plugged in and just fucking electrifies him. Yeah. It, it's just it's a, a awesome way to go in a, in a horror movie. So after that, she um, she gets a gun. I think Billy comes back out again and then yeah. Gail shoots him again. Yeah. And then we get the we get the line from jamie kennedy like oh this is when the killer you know gives us one last scare and then he jumps up and then she shoots him in the head and he dies and then we actually get another scare when the dad jumps out of the (laughs) out of the closet which i was like put him in there she must have because Uh. i'm thinking when she sneaks away because i was i I was going to talk about that so that's basically the movie that's basically all the rewatchable scenes that we got through so we're going to go through a little bit of tidbits of stuff we don't get, I don't get it, um, and just other things that we might have noticed. That was one thing that I was going to say. She would have had to, while they were going to shoot Gail, she would have had to pick her dad up, hopped him around mm-hmm. that whole hallway, put him in that closet, and got in there without them noticing. That would have been loud. Um, obviously, she would have done that so that when they noticed she's gone, they didn't threaten him to, like get her to come out or Which whatever is smart because so, a lot of other movies would yeah have just had that it's, and it's like oh my god yeah my dad. yeah yeah so i mean as impractical as it seems it, it's still a smart play by the character yeah. for sure but why not why not real quick grab a knife cut the duct tape off of him real that's fast. what i was thinking too i was i was thinking about that as well it would have taken like five um seconds. she does she doesn't have the knife at that point though i mean i'm sure there's a knife in the kitchen yeah but um she doesn't have the knife uh Billy has it. Um, another thing that we just kept on bringing up is, oh, it's been a year. Get over it. Your mother was <laughs> raped and murdered. It's been a year. Yeah. Get over it. Yeah. Like, everybody, everybody is just like, oh, your mother died a year ago. Yeah. Like, yeah. get over That's how long trauma lasts. Get, yeah. get over it. You're not doing it right. Another thing, when everybody leaves the house, nobody sees Tatum hanging from the garage door. I mean, I know they're drunk, they're rushing to their cars and everything, but yeah. it's a pretty big garage, and it's a person hanging from the garage door. <laughs> so, and then another thing for me is just, why does Tatum have two beds in her room? Do yeah. you notice that? I noticed when you said She's that. She's got, like, twi- like oh, twin shit. beds. Uh, this is really strange for me, I think. Maybe there was a sister we didn't, they didn't tell us about. She maybe. died. Or maybe know. they're just rich people, and they have extra rooms with two beds in them <laughs> for when people stay over. Who knows? Um, is there anything else? Anything else about the movie we want to cover? Um, no, no. It's just um, I, I. I was thinking. I was like, it was almost like if they set themselves up, like if maybe they wrote, um, hey, like, like let's have the you know Jamie Kennedy explain the whole horror movie thing, so that way it forces us to write an ending that's 
unforeseeable to the audience. You know what? You know? I okay. So I thought it. So it's funny that you point that out, and I didn't think about it from a writing standpoint. Standpoint like that. I had been writing something for a really long time, and I didn't know how to end it. And I thought about everything being in what I just wrote being kind of fantastical and kind of a little bit too hard to believe. Mm-hmm. So I did it. I finished, or I didn't finish writing it because it's just something that never came to fruition. But my idea for when I finish writing it is to call out all those things mm-hmm. at the end and just face them head on. And then I realize, oh, what I'm doing is an eight mile ending, pretty uh, much. You've seen Eight Mile? Eight Mile? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, they're at that last rap battle, and, you oh, know. Yeah. His girlfriend got fucked by his best friend. Homeboy park. fucking shot himself in the leg. Trailer park, all this stuff, and yeah. he's and he's like, oh. And Cheddar Bob's like, oh, you know, you scared that they're gonna rap about that stuff? And he's sitting there and he gets the idea. I'm just gonna talk shit about myself. And when this guy goes up, he's not gonna have anything to say. And I was like, oh, that's what I'm doing essentially. I'm I'm calling out all my fucking faults and just saying what else you got like what else can you say about this or whatever yeah. and that's basically what you're saying with this like mm-hmm. but they do it in just a way like this like I wrote that but it's never going to be scream yeah. and in 8 mile it works really well too and in this movie they do that they call out all their tropes they write it that way but it just it and like I said everything before the reveal is classic horror movies yeah. and everything after that is just groundbreaking shit mm-hmm. that changed horror slasher movies forever mm-hmm. and you have people parodying it in other serious slasher movies and fucking scary movie and a bunch of shit for years and years the same way people parodied the matrix for years and oh, everything yeah. like that this movie changed the game for a lot of young filmmakers after it and i think you know there's another sequel coming out pretty soon oh no um yeah no, I, I i remember enjoying the second one um i've seen it a few times i don't think it's a movie that we could do it on here because i haven't seen it enough um but i remember enjoying it uh the third one i've seen in theaters and i couldn't care less about it the fourth one i never saw because i thought franchise is dead and apparently they're making another one but this movie will live on for young kids that are listening to us now that have never seen it and maybe we'll go watch it after this mm-hmm. and for kids that are it it sucks because they're not going to have the same experience of going to the the, the fucking video store and f- picking it up and yeah. grabbing it. But they'll cruise Netflix. Yeah. Halloween, they're looking for a scary movie. Oh, I heard about this movie, but yeah. I've never seen it. And I think when they watch it, they'll be blown away. You know, I was having a conversation with somebody the other day about they don't like horror movies. And this person's pretty pompous about like, oh, I can guess the ending of everything, blah, blah. <laughs> and we And then... We watched Halloween together for the first time, and he's like, oh, but I could guess that that happened. I was like, you know why, you fucking asshole, you could guess all those things? Because this movie made all those tropes. This movie made the man in the mask that fucking kills the people that are having sex that this movie made those rules. And because even though you don't like horror movies. Yeah. Just in pop culture alone, you've been exposed to those type of yeah. rules and knowing that shit. So when you watch stuff, you have this movie to think for your <laughs> fucking uh, like stupid idea that you think you know everything. Right. You know, yeah. like it's and laid I, out for you. Yeah, and and I just think movies like this, like I said, with the whole scary movie thing, it's hard to take this movie seriously. But from a filmmaker's perspective, from a writing perspective. Yeah. 
this movie set a bar so fucking high for everybody to come after it. And I think it doesn't get enough praise as it did when it came out, certainly. Yeah. And um, it's it's just a great movie. I really enjoy it. Yeah. And uh, it's another one that I love to watch every year, every Halloween. So, yeah. Honorable mention, which is like similar to how, you know, it, it has every trope. It has every, you know, thing you'd expect and not expect. Um Cabin Cabin in the Woods is yeah that's that's another it's, it's one that's on that, that same level yeah, yeah yeah but it has but it turns it, tur- it turns it on its head and yeah. see that that thing that thing too is like Cabin in the Woods is doing a meta version of Evil Dead of yeah of Evil Dead pretty much and yeah and 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 that it has this movie yeah. to thank for that yeah. um so yeah that's uh I but think Cabin we, in the Woods is way more comedic though oh no yeah. for sure it leans into that shit hilarious. like way like way more <laughs> but yeah so yeah I think that that's Scream um I enjoyed doing this one it was a little hard yeah. because it's a movie that like we said doesn't have a lot of rewatchable scenes more than definitely. sequences but it, it's it's definitely a groundbreaking movie and it's it's um it's a gem for sure yeah. so yeah that was Scream 1996 Scream directed by Wes Craven I hope you guys enjoyed that episode um and Yeah, I'm Steven Valdez. Jason Brunez. And we'll see you at the movies, guys. Later. What's up, guys? Steven here. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. We certainly had a lot of fun recording it. Just a couple announcements for you guys. Like we said last week, all of our new episodes are going to start debuting Thursday morning. So make sure you tune in every Thursday morning for a new episode of Play It Again, Man. Secondly, we put out a poll on our Instagram, and it was between Return of the Living Dead and Shaun of the Dead. You guys came out, you voted, and we're going to be doing Shaun of the Dead. So expect to see that next week for our next episode. Also, if you guys aren't getting enough played again, man, we are going to start releasing mini-sodes on Monday mornings where we talk about movies that are coming out soon, talk about movies that we've just seen, and maybe even reenact some of our favorite scenes from movies that we've watched over the years. Finally, I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you so much for tuning in every week. And please, please, if you haven't already, follow us on our Instagram at playitagainman underscore pod. Same name on TikTok. We're going to start a Twitter soon, so that'll be the same name for that. Tell your friends, tell your family. If they like movies, if they like reviews, this is the place to come. Thank you guys again so much, and we'll see you at the movies next week.